we've failed black and brown women. We failed them first with the data. So for a decade, the CDC was not collecting this information. And when the data came out not too long ago, it was striking that in some parts of our country, up to five times more likely, that's the mortality rate. And that second fail is what happens when someone doesn't trust the system to begin with. So when you do need help, you're not calling on your provider because you're not getting the kind of health care that you are, that is your human right. Welcome to the In On Health podcast. I'm your host, Kapama Yopala, and I go by KP. I'm the CEO and co-founder of In On Health. In today's episode, I speak with Simone Tate, the CEO and founder of Poppy Seed Health. Simone is a black woman and serial tech entrepreneur. She founded Poppy Seed Health after experiencing a miscarriage and not finding any support systems to help her through the physical and emotional toll of her experience. As a 24-7 on-demand text app that connects birthing and postpartum people to doulas, midwives, and nurses, Poppy Seed Health makes emotional and well-being support accessible to all. We cover in this episode her personal journey, the exciting growth of her solution, and how these themes relate to both health equity and efforts to reduce maternal mortality for Black women in the U.S. I hope that you find this conversation as inspiring and moving as I do. I am so pleased to have my good friend Simone Tate, the founder and CEO of Poppy Seed Health, um, on the podcast today. She is New York-based, but happened to be in Denver, so we're recording this one live face-to-face. Great to see you, Simone. So good to see you, KP. You are one of the very first humans I'm seeing in a long time that wasn't in my COVID circle. So I am so excited to be here and even more excited to have gotten on a plane and, and to be on the ground here in Denver with you. Amazing. Well, I'm so excited for people to get to hear more about what you're building at Poppy Seed Health. So before we get into that, let's start by telling people a bit about yourself. So why don't you share who you are, where you're from, and kind of the journey you've been on that's led you to Poppy Seed Health. Sure. So I was born and raised in Springfield, Massachusetts. Um, Most people will know Springfield because of the Basketball Hall of Fame or Dr. Seuss. Only two things are really famous for. And, and, and I am actually first generation. So uh, I always, anytime I get to big this up, I do, which is I'm the same exact ethnicity as our vice president, Kamala Harris. Um, So my biological father is Indian. My mother is Jamaican and black. And they landed in Massachusetts and and never left. And my mom actually just left 40 years later. Um, And so I got bit by the startup bug about three years into right after I graduated from college into working in retail. And I got bit really hard. So (laughs) my very first, uh, my very first startup was a wellness startup. And I think there were maybe like 60 employees at the time. And I didn't have the language then, but uh, they had just pivoted. Right. And I I had no clue what a pivot was. But, uh, but the interesting thing while I was there is I immediately realized 
that every single day I was actually contributing to the business, that my ideas were heard, that I was able to have the kind of like mobility that I just wasn't going to find in a traditional corporate structure. And so when I say I got bit really hard, I was there for maybe like three and a half, almost four years. And in that time, I was the director of our West Coast sales. I built my first small sales team. I opened up our Central and South America market. That's amazing. And I just realized that that was the kind of builder that that I am. And then finally, you know, it was like I was chasing my own tail. I went uh, to Gilt as as employee number 14 for Gilt City. And okay. then my next company was employee number seven. And then it was right. like, so okay, you're just on that there, path there was building. a path. Right. That's you're on right. that path of building. That's, that's amazing. Right. So, so that's so fascinating. I think for people that are entrepreneurs, for us, there's some moment in time when it becomes very clear that that's just going to be the journey. And so that's fascinating. So tell me, like, as you worked in several different startups, what did you find were your superpowers, the things that you're like, you know what, like, this is just what I'm built to do? Because this will also come up with uh, when we talk about poppy seed. Yeah, I'm definitely built to say yes to the things that most people say no to. And those are typically the biggest challenges. Mm -hmm. And I'm built for people. You know, the people side of business is really important to me because that's what makes up the solution, right? And mm-hmm. and and actually, from from my point of view as a black woman, especially in tech, when I got into tech, which I'm really dating myself now, is uh, what 15 years ago at this point, or okay. a little bit more. There weren't many people that looked like me. There were not many people that looked like you, right? right? And even now, there's it's, it's getting better, but we still have a long way to go. Before we move on to some other topics, talk to me a little bit more about the evolution of how your experience has been as a black woman in tech and these Mm -hmm. different companies. It looks like, you know, from what I'm hearing, you've had some good experiences. You've built some great things that have scaled. But how have you seen the evolution of being a black woman in tech? Um, Because, you know, now with Poppy Seed, you're a founder. You've raised money, which is a major milestone. Thank Um, you. But uh, how has that evolved over time over the last 15 years? Right. You know, my very first startup was actually the largest one that I joined at that stage. Okay. So 60 something plus people. It's actually pretty big. Um, all the other startups that I joined subsequently were smaller. Mm-hmm. And so I was one of one, one of one, period. So working um, for a long time, right? Like working in those companies and also being in sales, which is an outside role, right? An out- outward facing role. I was always very cognizant of walking into a room as a manager, a leader, and getting the wow or the shocked or goodness, like right. I wasn't expecting People someone. People trying to figure it out. Yeah. But they're not saying I wasn't expecting a black woman. They say I wasn't expecting someone so unique yeah, with course. your experience. Um, look, I I also made a commitment to lift while I go. Mm-hmm. And I made that commitment a really long time ago. There are privileges that I have had in life. And that is, you know, I've gone actually to to schools and had education, which not everyone had had access to. And so I saw the world in a very different way. I will also say being raised in a first generation immigrant family really Mm. 
formed my point of view on on the world and what diversity actually means. Right. And so as a black woman in tech, it is one of the things that I find is a superpower that no one can take away from me because it's how I hire. It's how I understand opportunity in both giving and taking opportunities. And it's actually a really great barometer. Um, some people might even call it intuition, right? right? But um, as a black woman in tech, there is absolutely every opportunity to be bringing along other black women and men and people of color mm-hmm. as, as we're going, there's absolutely room for all of us. And it's necessary. And I mean, obviously if you want to be better in certain things, you need diverse teams. Like the best innovations right. will come from diverse teams. And I think for us as founders of color, in a way that is an advantage for us because we see the world differently. So we're going to totally. catch all the blind spots that industry doesn't see. And that frankly should be opportunity. I don't think it's talked about enough that way. That's exactly right. And it is not a pipeline issue. No. I can tell you that right now, right? Because I'm consistently looking for great talent and there is really great talent and they are across many, many different backgrounds and races and ethnicities. But I think it's just so much harder. And we we know the data, we see the statistics of retaining great black talent. Once you get them in these tech companies, because the support and the environment isn't so nurturing um, or understanding. And everyone wants to be seen for who they are. For who they are. Yeah, 100%. So to wrap this, what would be your advice to founders of color or underrepresented founders like in our LGBTQ community? What would be some advice you would give to people that are out there thinking about starting and maybe a bit daunted by the very real challenges that are out there? Yeah. You know, my my biggest piece of advice is you have to put intention behind the practice. So if it means that you are looking, which you should be, for the best talent that your resources can can get you, then your pipeline really does need to be diverse, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, want to not, I'm going to use the very buzzy but real word here, you don't want a pattern match. It's right. the teams that I see pattern matching that actually don't do that great, right? Because not only do you have one, just one mind and not diversity in your your thought process or processes in general, but my biggest point of advice would be be patient. Like you, you just have to put the intention behind the practice. If you want to hire a black person into that role, you wait for that person to come to you, right? right? And you you are not just going to hire that person because they're black. Of course, you're going to keep every other thing that you need, you know, on the resume, but keep it open. I know that's really hard to say, and that's a really hard practice to follow, um, mm-hmm. especially when you're scaling or especially when you have, you know, limited financial resources as you're building a company. Right. But you have to have the intention and then you have to actually put it into practice. Great words of wisdom there. So, Simone, this transition, I want to have our listeners really learn about Poppy Seed Health because you're, you're doing some great things. So start by just sharing the, the origin story. Like, why did you found Poppy Seed Health? Sure. So I founded Poppy Seed Health because of my own 
uh, trauma and lived experiences. Uh, back in 2016, I had my first of what would become multiple miscarriages as I've been on a very complicated reproductive health journey. Very sorry to hear that. Thank you. And thank you for acknowledging it because, you know, I know that it's hard for people to hear and respond to someone sharing something so intimate, which is part of the reason why Poppy is around. Anyway, I'll take you back to that uh, that doctor's appointment without going too much in, into detail. Just know that it was less than 10 minutes. My doctor barely looked me in the eye. Uh, She said that she couldn't find a heartbeat and that my body had terminated the pregnancy, which was just a dagger through the heart. I left that office with no medical follow-up, no mental or emotional health resources. I was devastated. I was crying on the streets of New York City as everyone in New York City has one of those days. And for me, I wasn't given any medical follow-up. So what am I supposed to do? None right. of my friends were talking about miscarriages. All I had seen was what was, you know, in Hollywood on television. And then it was actually in that moment that more questions started to overtake my devastation and shock because my body wasn't doing any of the things I had actually seen on TV. So I did what 85% of all Americans do. I went to Dr. Google looking for health answers. Right. And as soon as I got there, It only took me a couple of minutes. The first thing that I found was a simple blood test would show my HCG levels dropping in. Your HCG levels, that's the pregnancy hormone. So that should be skyrocketing the the Mm -hmm. further you get along in your pregnancy. If it's dropping, then indeed uh, there's probably a loss or a miscarriage. The second thing, a simple ultrasound or sonogram just to show that I could have subsequent healthy pregnancies. And those medical things weren't even offered to me. So I called my own care plan back into my doctor's office. And that is the first foray into self-advocacy. Again, did not have the words back then, but I know them now. And a real fire started in me. I mean, that is truly where the seed for Poppy Seed Health was planted, was in those moments. I also became really upset. Of course. Because I said, the sadness well, turns into anger. Totally. I said, well, you know, forget the fact that, you know, I am, which I also learned on Google, one in four. So one in four people who are able to give birth will have a miscarriage or loss in their reproductive lifetime. Um, we have about four million births in the US, uh, just under a million miscarriages that are reported, right? Okay. So, Then I layered on and I said, well, hold on. Is it because I'm a black woman? Is it because I do not have a person of color who's my OBGYN? I felt isolated. I felt alone. I felt like I didn't have any solutions. And for the first time, and, you know, I would say I'm a pretty proactive person for my own needs. That's what I'm hearing. (laughs) I was... I was really lost and I didn't know how to advocate for myself because I didn't know what I was advocating for. And I ended up that evening on my couch and I happened to land, I'm I'm really dating myself here, I happened to land on a chat board. Um, It was actually on Reddit. And at the time I wasn't a Reddit user, but uh, it was a board that was powered by doulas. And Mm. for the first time all day, 
I had this kind of out of body experience because I felt seen, I felt heard, I felt acknowledged. The language that they were using was so kind and loving. I describe it as a virtual bear hug coming through the the screen. And see, earlier in the day, I had situated the medical follow-up, but actually all I was trying to do all day long was to feel better, and that is a universal experience. We all know what it feels like to get the goosebumps or melt into feeling better. Just you know what that, that what that is, right? No matter who you are. And for me, in that moment, it was so powerful that I made two decisions that evening. I made the decision to become a doula. And then the second decision that I made was to build something that in the digital space that would connect someone like me with someone instantaneously. So on demand. Um, And I didn't know exactly what that looked like, but I knew for sure that it had to be in the emotional and mental health space because that's what made me feel better. And it was a real light bulb moment that you can have both things collaboratively working together, Mm -hmm. but in our healthcare system, they're separate, right? Your provider care and your medical care is just so separate than your mental and emotional health care, but they're the same, right? They should be the same. They should be fully integrated. And so where Poppy Seed Health is meeting people is exactly where they are. Along you know, that journey. Along that journey, because you, you'll you have so many questions when you leave that appointment, or maybe you don't have questions. As a matter of fact, about 48% of everyone that comes to Poppy Seed Health is in their first trimester They've just taken a pregnancy test. They haven't even gone to the doctor yet or they've had one appointment. Right. So when we talk about outcomes, it means being there for someone as they're going through the emotional ups and downs of first trimester of pregnancy. And and that being a very isolating time, not telling anyone because culturally we've told everyone, don't tell anyone until it's. I'm doing air quotes, everyone, viable, Viable, right? right. Which is so cruel because this is when you need people the most. The most. And at Poppy, we said, look, not only can you get someone on demand literally within seconds of coming to Poppy Seed Health, but no matter what your outcome is, we also have a 24-7 on-demand miscarriage and loss hotline, which is exactly what I wish I had. That's what you wish you had, yeah. Okay, explain to me the solution. So... So this is amazing. I want to first talk a bit about the product, like what it is you're putting in the market and where you are. And then I want to talk a little bit more about the state of this problem more broadly in the U.S. But so tell us first simply, like, what is the solution and kind of what was your first version and where are you today? We're talking about all my favorite things. So sure, (laughs) let's let's jump into the product. Uh, So your product experience is is fairly simple, we think. Um, We have you know, I, I have extreme bias here, but I think we've done a fantastic job with our UX so that uh, when you download the app, uh, which is available in Apple and Android, you very quickly understand that you can request a free chat. Everyone gets their first chat for free no matter what. Okay. You tell us a little bit about where you are in your journey. Uh, you can skip the onboarding, although we have great onboarding rates, which is important for us because we want to be able to serve you best. Mm-hmm. And let's just say I'm coming to the app because I'm really nauseous, really nauseous, right? right. And I actually I haven't found a solution. I don't know what to do. I'm coming to Poppy Seed Health. I'm requesting a chat. And pretty quickly I'm connected with a doula, a nurse, or 
a midwife and it's all text based. Okay. And we've really tapped into this thing with product. I call it expert anonymity. So I'm talking about nausea, but actually one of our top five categories is hemorrhoids. And no one wants to talk, no about, to talk hemorrhoids. about hemorrhoids. There's right. a lot of shame that that you know we put on people around hemorrhoids, but then it's also frustrating because no one actually tells you that in your third trimester, on top of everything else, hemorrhoids, hemorrhoids might happen, right? right? And so we get a lot of texts around, what am I supposed to do? Should I be going to the emergency room? I'm so uncomfortable. Also, I'm so ashamed. And so what a doula midwife or nurse, what we're doing is providing you with the, I see you. I'm so sorry you don't feel well. And by the way, Everyone's normal isn't all the same. And sit in a sits bath, right. you know, sleep sleep on this side, do these things at home. Don't go into the emergency room just yet, but tell your provider. Mm -hmm. And if you feel like you need to take care of your this is in you. Like right. you have you have the power within you, right? We're just here to support you through it, but we're giving you the practical information and solutions that you need and also that emotional mental health support. Let's go a little bit deeper there because I'm talking about physical things, mm -hmm. but actually we get a tremendous amount of uh, you know, members who come to us who weren't expecting to right. become pregnant. Okay. Uh, I talked about those first trimester folks who just took the pregnancy stick and just got the outcome and just swirling, have no idea. We get a ton of questions, uh, lactation questions, right? Okay. And doulas and midwives and nurses, they're your advocates anyway, wherever you are, wherever you are in the journey. But more importantly, it truly is accessibility, right? And so what I saw firsthand is what we've built into Poppy Seed Health, which which is this expert anonymity. So I don't want to look you in the eye to maybe say some of the things I need to say and feel better leaving the space. Mm -hmm. The second thing is holding the space to be able to give, you know, the kind of emotional and mental health support and well-being support that just isn't a part of our maternal health care system today. Okay. And then the third thing, more importantly, I think, is that my fees in New York City as a doula um, would be somewhere between two to five thousand dollars. And so for doulas, especially, you know, it's not a misconception. It's actually fairly true. And, and it's something that we balance, right? Because we are not disrupting what happens in anyone's communities. You know, we need doulas. We need our midwives. We need our nurses, right? right. And I'm, I'm specifically talking about doulas because doulas, the certifications for doulas and just doulas, I should say, getting trained in the U.S. has increased by about 136% year over year for year the past year. five years. So there's a lot years. of demand for this. People, women want this in their birthing yes. experience, but insurance Absolutely. also isn't paying. Was another but they're issue. not paying for it. We're at a very interesting uh, point in the intersection of what it means for insurance to cover services like a doula. But out of pocket in major cities in the U.S., doulas are very expensive. But there is a reason for that. And that is, for example, my shortest birth was 27 hours, right? And you have backup doulas and you have your team right. that you're usually working with. But most people are not doing 
are not pulling 27 hour days, right? Or of course. that's more than a day, right? Yeah, but they're, yeah, they're, exactly. not pulling, they're not pulling, I should that type say, of shift 27 hour like, shifts. Exactly. Right. So, so it's really the kind of work where you can't do it every day, even if you wanted to in that, mm-hmm. in that manner anyway, but the accessibility factor is important. Because yeah. okay, for the that. for for the birthing people that need doulas and midwives and nurses and need the sounding board that need the access, technology is the way, right? Mm-hmm. The digital is the way. You know, there was a time where we weren't ordering cars on demand, right. where we were waiting, calling a taxi, waiting for them to show up, and then we went to hailing a taxi, and now within a few minutes they're at our door okay. through technology with Poppy Seed Health we are showing up for you in 90 seconds or less via text. Um, so let's talk about this. Clearly the demand for poppy seed health is across a broad spectrum of the market here in the U S but I do want to talk about black women and, and the mortality, maternal mortality issue. Too. Yeah. So, I mean, I think for listeners, it's in the public domain now, but I've seen different types of staff. So basically a, Black woman is between three to five times more likely to die during birth than a white woman. And that's just the fact of the matter. It's in the peer review literature. It's a major, major problem. So how do you see that problem? Like, what can we do to solve that? And then how does this type of solution like poppy seed health help address that? Sure. So the first thing is that we've failed black and brown women. We failed them first with the data. So for a decade, the CDC was not collecting this information, right? And when the data came out not too long ago, and it was striking that in some parts of our country, up to five times more likely, and you're right, it's between three to five times more likely, that's the mortality rate. And when we do the math, that's a little over 700-ish women, right, birthing people, But there's the other side of this, which is where the second fail happened. Which is the second fail, in my view, is like your experience. There wasn't wasn't a mortality issue, but the experience and the adverse outcome is there. That's right. So that second fail is what happens when someone doesn't trust the system to begin with. Mm -hmm. So when you do need help, you're not calling on your provider because you're not getting the kind of health care that you are, that is your human right, right? Mm-hmm. You are also not necessarily open to or even know of the tools that could help you and that can support you. And the third thing, actually, is that when we look at what the maternal health care system looks like today, it is actually based on a very racist medical system. We know that black women were used for many, many, many years from slavery and beyond for medical experiments. We know that for for so long, uh, we were not looked at as human. And the propensity in modern day that still that a woman that looks like me is inherently stronger than a woman that doesn't look like me. The data shows that I can walk in with the same insurance, the same socioeconomic background, the same everything except for my race. And my outcome is going to be different and worse than my, than my white counterpart. 
One specific issue I've heard in this is the perception of pain tolerance. Yes. Right. This that, is a big that perception one. Perception right? of you are For just black strong. Women. Right. That's right. Like mm-hmm. you're strong. You can do this. So they ignore That's symptoms no of the warning signs that are coming that a woman, a black woman, is telling their clinician they're getting totally. ignored. That's totally right. And look, I'm I'm not a physician, and neither are you, unless you're. I'm not a physician. Okay. (laughs) Um, I am not a physician, but I, I know, I know what the data shows. I know what the stats show. And we know things like preeclampsia is higher in, in women of color and black women and that there are preventable interventions that can be taken. And, and, and actually right here in, in your state of Colorado and in Denver, just back in April, Um, Your Senate passed a bill that focuses specifically on black mortality, black maternal mortality and what is happening in the space, which is an extension, by the way, which I'm very, very proud of. We endorsed um, and, and sponsored the the Momnibus, so the Black Maternal Health Mortality Bill that came through just in the Biden administration that in pieces of the legislation is getting passed. And and frankly, we do not believe that it is just our problem as Black women, right? We believe it's everyone's problem, right? And it's everyone's opportunity to solve. And that's actually built into our business model. Tell us about your investors and and where are you with that? Oh, everyone wants to know about our investors. Well, I think the first thing I want to know is how intentional I was about our cap table. Uh, So we were fully bootstrapped. um, And as we were bootstrapping through, came into the beginning of 2020. So again, before the pandemic was on anyone's radar, came into 2020. And I said, you know, I think we're onto something here. Um, and I feel comfortable enough taking on capital to do it. We were running out of bootstrap money. I, I also, you know, knew that we needed the right team and the right people to be agile, right, to build at this stage. And I had my very first in-person VC meeting in March, the first week of March. And then we went into lockdown three days later. Um, There you go. And uh, we are one of those companies that really thrived uh, because of COVID and in spite of COVID. Uh, And I say that super humbly because what actually happened is we went into lockdown and the members that we were supporting who were pregnant at the time, whose due dates were imminent. Right all gave birth by themselves because most of the country, we didn't know what was happening with this virus, right? So you weren't allowed a birthing partner, including your partner if you had one, including your support person. It uh, is what we called for a long time so inhumane. No one, and, and thank God for the nurses, by the way, and the staff and the, you know, medical staff, but in an already overburdened system. Now imagine having a little human, you know, in the middle of all of that. So what happened is that we actually ended up supporting multiples of our members. And those members told all of their pregnant friends. And then on the supply side, doulas were kicked out of hospitals, right? Right. So they're there wanting to support people. That's right. They lost their livelihood, their contracts, their everything. There wasn't a more clear moment in time to go heads down and build the technology. And that's exactly what we did. I went out to raise in the middle of COVID, in the middle of it, at the height of it, actually. 
And I'm glad that we did because poppy seed health was always going to happen. But the pandemic allowed us to accelerate, look at our resources, be super nimble, take on way more suppliers than we were intending to because of budget, take on way more members because, you know, we had the supply to do it. And it just gave us it it gave us the opportunity to not get just even closer to people in the most, you know, vulnerable and uncertain time. But it all also allowed us to really get tight on what our business model should look like, especially as it related to equity. And it was it was very clear, by the way, that the entire time that there was no one else in the market, truly no one else in the market building an on-demand telehealth solution like ours. And right. that was that was also clear to our investors. Okay. So when I did go out to raise capital, I knew one thing. I wanted majority operators because it's the operators who have done this before who understand where you are at this stage and beyond, mm-hmm. really understand how to scale and how to grow. I also knew that I wanted majority women identifying people. So that was important and that we absolutely needed queer uh, investors as well. When we look at the diversity of the members we are serving, the team mirrors our members, our members mirror supply and our algorithm is able to match accordingly, which is the so most exciting for part. people to hear this intentionality of what you did with the oh, raise. Yeah. And KP, I have to tell you, like, you know, when it came down to it, so our, our cap table is 90% women identifying people, 30% queer, 40% black women, women of color, actually. We have a fantastic lead investor with, with 776. And so many of those connections are have been incredibly important for us. That intention also made it a bit longer for me to raise. Plus, I knew all of the data out there, right? Uh, 2% of women get a VC funding. 0.5% are black women that are raising over a million dollars. Well, that's amazing. And again, I'm so happy that uh, Denver happened to be on your road show and we're here together in person. Um, Before we close, I want to ask you one question. I ask all my guests this question. Um, It's been amazing to hear your personal story. And I think this comes out. But why are you in on health equity? Oh, for so many reasons. One, for myself. You know, I I always say selfishly, I built Poppy Seed Health for me. And I really did. And so and on health equity is just it's so important for for me to reflect on the outcomes for a black woman, right? For me. The second thing I would say for sure is equity is more complicated than people understand at the systematic level, right? Mm -hmm. But those systems are made up of people and people who are making and building the institutions, right? That house those systems. So, I am in on health equity because I want to be a part of the disruptive wave of people who's we're tearing apart the system. We're not, we're no longer putting band-aids on top of each other, right? right. In these huge gaps and fissures, we're building something new. And that's why I'm in on health equity because we have to build something new for our generation today. I know that it is possible. I'm highly optimistic about that actually because we have builders like me and you. And then for many generations after, we're not going to slip back. And that's what I mean about this wave and the tsunami forward, right? Like there's no going backward here. There's only going forward. 
But part of that is we have to disrupt the institutions and the systems. And so that's why I'm in on health equity. Oh, well, that's amazing. On that note, um, Simone Tate, founder and CEO of Poppy Seed Health, such an inspiration. I've gotten a, just a burst of energy and enthusiasm from you, which also helps me do what I do. Awesome. Um, and I think for people out there who are entrepreneurs, founders of color, women who have gone through um, challenging experiences in the birthing process, who have who have lost children. For all of those people, you've shared something that I think is very meaningful and authentic. And I thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for having me, KP. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for the In On Health podcast. For more information on this guest and other episodes, please go to www.inonhealth.com slash podcast. You can also follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter at InOnHealth. Until next time, this is your host KP signing off.